You're listening to the IAB UK podcast and welcome to our Steering Group Specials, a three-part mini-series in partnership with the IAB Steering Groups. Our Steering Groups bring together leading experts in mobile in-app, video and display advertising to work on initiatives that help drive sustainable growth within digital. In this episode, hear from members of our mobile and in-app steering group as they share and answer some of the questions which advertisers want to know about advertising on mobile and in-app, but sometimes just don't want to ask. Here's Sarah Schneider from Iron Source, Russell Burden from Apps Flyer, and Richard Smith from Adjust speaking to IAB UK CMO James Chandler. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast and a series of special episodes brought to you courtesy of the combined expertise of our industry steering groups. Today, it's the mobile and in-app steering group, and we've assembled some of the most asked questions from agencies and advertisers, and some that clients maybe feel like they can't ask. But the next 25 minutes or so is a safe space. Nothing's off limits. There's no such thing as a bad question or a bad answer. Of course, there are such things as bad questions and bad answers, but we're not going to do any of those because we've got a stellar group lined up for you here and introducing them now is Richard Smith, Senior Partnerships Manager for EMEA at Adjust, Sandra Schneider, a VP Strategic Partnerships from Iron Source, and Russell Burden, Partner Developed Director at AppsFly. And a really warm welcome to you all on the podcast today. Great, thank you. Thanks for having us. Hello. I have deep sympathy for some of these questions that you're getting, and these are genuinely questions that you're getting asked, right? Yeah. <laughs> on a regular basis <laughs> so this is a little bit of fact finding for some people and like i said maybe these are some of the things that you feel like you should know but you can't ask and maybe you don't want to ask your agency or you don't want to ask your rep so we're going to clear everything up for people today in terms of in-app but maybe one of the biggest misconceptions of all sandra is the idea that when you think about mobile and app it's literally just all games it's people sat on their commutes in any spare time they got just playing games that actually, yeah, a lot of it is, yes, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because games are by far the top vertical in the app store today. So they make up more than 25% of the apps that are out there. And I read that Sensor Tower is expecting that 70% of iOS user revenue this year is going to come from games only. So it's actually a very interesting vertical. And in addition to that, mobile gaming is among the most cross-demographic activities as well. So I think that you can really find your audience in games and especially for brands. So just giving an example, puzzle games, right? 63% are female and 60% are over the age of 35. Mm. And I could go on and on, but it really shows that there's not one stereotypical gamer out there. Like really everyone is playing games today and it's a way to reach your audience. Do you think gaming does get tarnished with that very sort of old stereotype now that it is 14-year-old spotty boys in bedrooms playing (laughs) games? Just from the stats that Sandra said, it's not the case, is it? No, it's not. It might be the odd one, of course. But yeah, for the whole part, Sandra's point is very valid that the, the demographic might not be what you assume it to be. I think the other really interesting thing with gaming supply is that it's... Well, you could argue that it's the most engaging app that someone might have on their phone, yeah. that people are really invested in the time they spend within this gaming app. So at that point, you could argue that 
they're, they're most alert, they're most um, responsive to advertising and therefore it's a really, provided the ad is served at the right time, it's a really sensible place to be speaking to your consumers. So I would always argue quite heavily for that level of engagement with gaming. Russell, on, uh, when you think about gaming, there's a, and you come to this topic of rewarded video, there is an argument to be said that if you're going to allow someone to play a game and you're going to go from level to level, but in order to get to the next level, I'm going to force you to watch a video... Is there that argument that actually a brand isn't getting that much engagement because ultimately they have to watch it to go on so they might just sort of zone out and they're only doing because they want to go to the next level? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I probably agree with that in a way. At the same time as well, you do have that aspect on display channels as well obviously when you do look at attribution models for example view through attribution is always considered relatively high and people do look at that and they do put a lot of weighting behind that so why wouldn't it be any different if somebody views an ad in a mobile game yes as rich just mentioned they're highly engaged in that app itself they're engaged within the game itself so they are going to see it they are going to probably have some form of brand recall to seeing that ad. Yes, they might not engage with it, but I'm sure there is some form of positivity that can come from it. Just wanted to add one more piece of research that is the Kendra Millard-Brown research that actually shows that brands that are running on rewarded video get a two times more positive brand association mm. and 26% increase in purchase intent. And I think actually it's entirely opt-in, right? Like they are not forced. And I think that's like maybe the misconception yeah. that yeah. the industry has because the, the user is choosing to watch that video and it's a value exchange feature at the end of the day. He gives his attention for 20 seconds and in return he'll get whatever, a live or a gem yeah, or yeah, something yeah. in the game. So I really, and, and I want to point that out because this opt-in um, angle is, is really important here for the results that we see. And maybe just one more thing, if I could, to add is that the clues in the name, right? It's a rewarded video. <laughs> yeah. So, like, these consumers are getting a reward yeah. off the back of this. And that reward is obviously tied to the app that they're engaged with. So, it's a win, really, for everyone. Yeah. And, and of course, we're not pretending that every single media channel, you have video that you have to watch that you're not rewarded with. So, uh, yeah. maybe it's even a bonus. <laughs> and we've been talking loads and loads about, about the open web of late, all sorts of things going on around identity. Only this week, we were talking about user identity and open web when it comes to in-app though versus mobile web where do you guys feel like the benefits are i think the first and most important one would be scale and maybe reach because i think that mobile apps are just so much more frequent in terms of the time that you spend there and i think also specifically for younger audience like mobile web is actually not a place where you would find these guys i think it's three hours a day that they spend only inside right. apps and i think the second biggest benefit that I would add, and I'm sure um, the other two guys can really add to that, is data, right? Anything that you run in an application, you actually have a bit of a better way to measure data on. And when you run a campaign, especially with uh, what we call, and we can talk about creatives a little bit later, yeah. what we call um, playable ads or interactive ads, where the user actually engages with the ad itself, you can measure their engagement with your product because you have their sum on the screen, really. So those points I would definitely make. Yeah, and I think I would add as well for in-app, I'd argue that there's so much more accountability with yeah. measurement and tracking for a fact that X and Y has happened with an engagement with an ad or yeah. an interaction with a user. So there's so much more performance uh, metrics behind it. And also the other thing is like the other benefit of in-app advertising is it's by far the most consumed content. Yeah. Everyone spends yeah. 
of so many hours a day on media, the majority of that is within an app. Mm. So the biggest advantage is speaking to users where they spend their time. I think yeah. that's sometimes overlooked. Yeah, I was going to add on to that as well. It's not only speaking to the users, it's being able to understand who that user is so you can really make that messaging more relevant for them. And again, if you know exactly what environment they're in, you can again make that messaging relevant to that moment in time whether they're on their commute or they're at home or whatever it may be. Yeah. And I wonder if the, there is that argument that if I sort of think about my own behaviour with web, it will usually be searches or quite functional things on mobile web, but then I go deep in app, whether it's stuff that I want to watch on YouTube or it's whatever it might be. So I, I wonder because it's quick there. And I guess the, the benefit of app is that it remembers me and what I've done and everything else. Well, let's talk about measurement. A, there was a really good point raised there. W- what is it that you can measure then in terms of what users are doing in app? Why don't you talk about that, Rich? Yeah, sure. There's a whole like multitude of different like event-based tracking you can do. So you can really get a good understanding of what the users that are using your app are doing. So like product analytics, for instance, is mm. such a powerful tool within app, within app properties because you really get an understanding of the, the things within your app that users enjoy doing, therefore you work on that more, and the mm. things that people do in the app that you perhaps they don't like doing and therefore you retract that from future like product releases. The other super interesting thing to understand with measurement within in-app advertising is you can understand how that user came to your app so what were the actions they took to actually go and seek out your app ah, nice. via advertising, mm. via just going to it from, off their own accord? And then understanding, okay, those users are my most valuable and useful to me. So therefore, I'll build my future product iterations around those. We mentioned identity a second ago. And of course, there's a big debate going on in, in the open web. Russell, you were part of that panel this week where we we're talking about identity. What, if anything, is going to change? Obviously, with cookies getting deprecated on in web browsers, what's the story when it comes to in-app and particularly about what Apple have announced earlier this year? Yeah, so it's mainly around, obviously, iOS 14 updates, which is opt-in, the users having to opt-in to be able to then share their IDFA, which IDFA is ID for advertisers, which is Apple's way of being able to track that user across multiple different apps. They want to stop that from a user privacy perspective. Mm -hmm. But again, when you think of mobile UK market, probably it's 50-50 share, Android and iOS. Currently, Google and Android haven't made any moves that they're going to take away the Google ad ID. So in the sense, when it comes to measurement, it's still available from an Android perspective. And I think a lot of advertisers still have to remember that it's not going away. It's still completely there. But yeah, when it does come to the iOS stuff, it's just a case of advertisers now have to figure out different ways to measure it, whether that's aggregated, whether that's working with Apple's solution, the SK ad network, Mm -hmm. working with different partners as well. Nice. I think also to this point, specifically for brand advertisers who know how to build an audience, because that's all they do on all other channels, the challenge here, because performance advertisers are able to, they they have to measure the actual like revenue they make on each user that installs their game. For brands, I think this, it will be a challenge, but it will be a little bit probably easier to set into this new environment because building an audience, you can still do that because of the actual source app that you're showing on. So if you know who plays that, you can actually target that and that's good enough. Should we talk about SDK? We've gone this long without talking about it. (laughs) Someone give us an overview. I remember doing this in my agency days and doing lots of presentations on basics about mainly about why you need to put it into your app in order to to get stuff. But someone just outlined for us in very simple terms what an SDK is and exactly what it does. 
I can do that. So SDK, Software Developer Kit, it's basically a piece of code that an advertiser would have to put into their app, which would then fire back to whoever the SDK comes from. If it's a measurement partner like AppSphere or Adjust, or if it's a media partner like Facebook or someone like that, or if it's product analytics like Mixpanel, etc. So once the advertiser puts it in, they can then customize and configure what data and what events you actually pull from that app and again what you pull from that user's phone you mentioned james that you were talking about it when you were back in your agency days we've done a lot of training <laughs> with agencies recently and the question still comes up wow what is an sdk do i need to do it what do i need to do with it so <laughs> it's still there <laughs> from an ad network perspective for us an sdk more on the supply side so on the actual publishers where you're running your campaigns what is important to understand here is that because a network's sdk is actually integrated in the code of this specific application there is a direct relationship right yeah. between that network and that app developer which guarantees that the sdk is probably curated because they are performing well enough and they are stable and so low levels of fraud that is the first thing that comes to mind and and I think it's really important to understand it also from the side of the supply of, of the supply angle yeah uh, anything to add rich I think yeah I've never quite understood why SDK isn't stuck maybe we need to come up with a slightly better term that isn't cookie or pixel related uh, yeah but, uh, but yeah it's just a necessity for app developers yeah. brands whoever it may be in order to achieve all of those great things about in-app advertising that we spoke about throughout all of this so you need it for measurement you need it for product analytics you need it to serve ads you need it to understand which of your users are good for you and potentially not so good for you so it's an integral part of the app ecosystem and it's genuinely not a scary thing we just perhaps need to rebrand it a bit. Yeah, very good. I think it's like running a, a web campaign and not putting a single pixel or a cookie on the website. Mm, yeah. Like you just yeah. would never do that in a million years. So yeah. it's the same when it comes to app. That sort of leads nicely into, uh, it, there's clearly uh, a whole raft of agencies and advertisers who are running app campaigns and get this stuff. But if you're new to the game, you've got a brand new app, or you've got an app that's been in the app store, but you're looking to put some promotion behind it. What are the sort of things you should be thinking about before you start before you talk to an agency or you get in touch to one of you guys yeah i think like first and foremost you need to try and understand who you actually want to promote that to because that will make like huge differences in terms of the marketing partners that you choose to run with the types of campaigns you choose to run with as well and also what you're looking to get off the back of it so evaluate the different marketing platforms that are out there and then also have an understanding about is this just a pure branding exercise to try and get natural or organic installs or is it pure performance based or are you looking at like post install events like i only want to drive installs for users that actually take a taxi ride with my taxi nice. for instance mm. so i would get all of those things in place first before you actually start implementing campaigns putting measurement and tracking in place and then going um setting things live yeah nice russell yeah i was going to add it's also then, once you've gone through that journey that Rich mentioned is, what's the next iteration? Is it, cool, I've got this app, I've got people to install, I now need to re-engage with them. So then again, it's thinking about how you're going to re-engage with them. Is it customized messaging? Do you want to blueprint your CRM system? Do you want to bring in your whole MarTech system and look at it from that perspective? It's, what is the function of the app? I think, as a Mark Parker from Nike said, when you're talking direct to consumers, in digital, it's mobile, and in mobile, it's app. Yeah, yeah, if you yeah, want to have yeah. a direct one-to-one -one communication with your consumers, you go straight into the app. Yeah. Once you have that, so when you have that ability to do that. So I think if advertisers are going on that journey and that this is the core function of what I do, then they really need to think about how it ties into everything that they're doing.
Do you think that a lot of in-app advertising gets bucketed into performance and maybe quite rightly, but is there a role here for, you know, brand-led campaigns? You talked about um, organic installs and things like that, but is it right that it's mainly performance advertisers or is there a role if you're looking to build brand, you can use in-app as well? I would argue that maybe it is skewed more towards performance because the metrics are that much more accountable. Every single cent that you have spent for every ad is leading to an action. So because it's so much more accountable, I think naturally it falls into performance. I think in the past we've heard there's performance and then there's brand performance, yes, yes, which is literally yes. just brands doing performance. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's what mobile in-app advertising lends to because the metrics are so concrete. And I think as well is, is you are... With, when you talk about mobile, and especially if you are promoting that app, it's, you are literally driving someone to an app store to download it. So like you said, Rich, you can measure all of that. I think the only kind of brand recently that I've been seeing doing branding for their app is probably TikTok. But then again, that's more around user engagement. Most brands I see advertising their app, there is a call to action, which is download my app, go into my app, buy something within my app. It's not here's an ad that talks about my app, but I want you to go to my store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that disconnect. Ma- makes total sense. And TikTok, I'd imagine, spending a few quid on a campaign <laughs> and are quite of the moment as well. In terms of scale, I guess, two questions really, Sandra. In terms of scale from a network point of view, the scale feels like it's absolutely huge. Is there anything tools-wise where you can start to look at quality of apps within networks or anything like that? Does it work in the same way as tools that we've got on the web? I would say the first one is probably around viewability for brands. That's probably the most important thing. Let's say you run a, not, not, you don't have an app, you don't want an install. So there, I think mostly what you guys are doing, the IB's open measurement SDK is probably what you want to use. And then I think just as a general argument that I would make is that in-app traffic in terms of brand safety is by definition brand safe because the supply partners are applications and those are verified and regulated by the app stores. We just see now what is happening on iOS 14 and Apple has the total power there to do whatever they want. So this virtue guarantees an environment without issues of whatever inappropriate negative content and running against uh, stuff that you don't want to run against and that that's the, the one thing. And I also think that in, t- in terms of AppSpire is actually doing twice a year performance index where you can see all the demand sources ranked. Ah, nice. and, uh, and that's also a good place to look at. And I will add here that last one we that came out, Iron Source was number three after Facebook and, and Google. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> just Thank- as an FYI. Nice little mic drop <laughs> moment in there. Thanks like for it. doing the plug that I didn't have to do. <laughs> <laughs> You're referring to the sort of the epic Fortnite thing where they've come out and said, look, we, we don't want to play by Apple's rules. Thanks very much on their own. And Apple have written a very nicely worded letter to say, actually, we've got users at heart and you've got to play the same rules as everyone else. <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit about creativity because maybe this is the other one as well, because perhaps when you think about performance, when you think about driving installs and you're thinking about lifetime value, perhaps creativity doesn't come to fore like it should. Do, do you think that's a misconception as well? How creative can you be in some of these environments? What, what do you think, Rich? I think that's a huge misconception because I think when people think of creative on mobile in-app, they probably still think of a tiny little banner at the bottom of the screen, (laughs) which to be fair has its place. Like we talk about scale and reach, that probably offers you the most. So it's not to be disregarded. But in my opinion, try all of them. Like the the beauty of mobile in-app supply is you can A-B test till you're blue in the teeth. So Mm. I would just keep going with a whole range of creative formats 
to find out which one suits best for the target audience that you're looking to achieve. So whether you're looking at video, we talked about rewarded, but whether yeah. you're looking at 30 second video or even shorter, interactivity with playable ads are obviously hugely popular now. Yeah, yeah. And then the final thing I'd note is like, the mobile offers so many cool like features that you can play around with as well. So even if you're just using basic stuff like location, there's yeah. still like augmented ads that you can play around with. There's obviously QR codes are still alive somewhere. So there's a whole host of different things <laughs> that you can do in mobile that you just can't achieve on other platforms. Yeah, nice. Uh, your take on creativity, Russell? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I agree as well, is you can become a lot more creative because you're so much more about that user, what they're doing, what their behaviors are, how they engage with the app, how they like to engage with the app, whether it is push notification or whether it's an ad on a certain media channel. And it's then it's when you, again, talk about that re-engagement, it's, it's the deep linking functionality, being able to take them straight to that product page. Like anybody that you talk to and you show them deep linking, they're like, oh, wow, that's so great. That's made my life super easy. <laughs> you don't really get that functionality so much on, on other properties. And on app, it's a real benefit for it, definitely. And I think I know what the answer is, Sandra, but the stuff that you make bespoke for these environments creatively is going to work better than stuff that you're running everywhere else and you just slightly just repurposed. And as Rich said, you've just taken a, a, a banner you're running online and made it an eighth of the size and hope it's going to work. The, the, <laughs> the stuff you make bespoke, which uses all those features that Russell's talking about, that's going to work better, right? Yeah, definitely. We are doing a lot around creatives and you can go all in with this, right? Like you can run a creative where the scenario is something that is more, let's say, on the negative side. Maybe I'm, I'm just imagining like there was a creative of, uh, of Homescapes uh, a while back. I don't know if you know this game, but it's a puzzle game where you need to build a house. And in one creative, the house was, uh, because there was like a fire or something, like it got destroyed. And in the other creative, it actually was really like nice and designed and and you can A-B test that. And actually yeah, what yeah. we saw was that the more like, let's say serious creative actually got better engagement. So in terms of just rebuilding your story for brands as well, like you can do so much and you have so much space. You have actually 15, 20 seconds of a video that can even be, engaging so let's imagine you have a campaign for chocolate and you can ask the consumer which type do you like more dark or milk like you can be super creative here especially for for brands another question on scale there's a massive amount over 80 percent of the time spent in apps is with I believe, five non-native apps. Does it mean that you can plan a campaign with direct partners? I mean, who are the top five and what sort of scale is there outside of them? Actually, I think this number is from 2015, which is pretty long ago, right? When the ecosystem was very different. Just as an example, I did some research before and TikTok, which was back then called Musical.ly, because you mentioned yeah. it before, had, I think, roughly 70 installs in that year that wow. came out so the ecosystem is entirely different today so i wouldn't be so sure that this is still the case yeah. and in addition to that i think the it's very different for each demographic and for each specific user and i think they also change frequently if you would look at the verticals you would probably see mostly social and gaming that are being used, but inside those, it can change, right? Ah. So you can spend time on Instagram, you can spend time on LinkedIn, you can spend time on this game or that game. And it also is really different by, by demographics. So female users between 30 and 40 would count myself here, usually have social apps, news apps, and 
kind of puzzle and word games that they're spending time in. So again, like audience building is like such a big thing here, right? Because you need to find the place where you can catch those audiences. And if a game is that place or if, you know, a social app is that place, then go for it. But I think it's a bit of a misconception we need to fix. And it genuinely is thinking about audience first is it would be impossible to say that my five top apps would be the same as yours rich exactly and i think that's what goes back to my original point around like firm measurement and like being able to target an audience like you probably don't want to go into an in-app marketing strategy and go i want to target this these two apps it's probably the wrong approach (laughs) what you want to do is you want to go into it and say i want to target this audience and therefore it's going to be across a whole multitude of apps but like the original point about so much of it is gaming of course a lot of it is gaming but we seem to just forget i think when we talk about the in-app supply ecosystem that a lot of it is social as well like when we when brands talk about their facebook strategy obviously i assume Mm. it's a large proportion of their budget but a large proportion of that budget will end up in app as well because that's just where users are i think that's sometimes forgotten yeah it's a really good point time has flown incredibly quickly so (laughs) i will finish as we we always finish with every podcast guest we've been asking questions about all sorts of things but the questions i would love to ask each of you and bearing in mind i've sprung this on you i'd love to know the last app that you've deleted from your phones if you can recall rich is giving me a sort of a knowing look like he might have deleted one this morning no i'm grabbing my phone to look for inspiration of what i may have deleted previously but i think it's rather sadly i've had a bit of an overhaul <laughs> and uh deleted a lot of travel apps because sadly oh, that obviously yeah, isn't happening just, right now mm. so a lot of my flight apps booking.coms sorry to call them out and a few others have uh, hit the bin for for the at least i hope for the short term. yes they may return of course yeah. russell well, uh, exactly the, exactly the same it? yeah it's the travel apps yeah i would I, that was like when rich said that i was like oh no i can't say that because <laughs> i know the game genuinely it's the travel apps that i just i had like there's one app that i use called bean which is basically tells you where you've been in the world and the percentage and i'm like well i ain't going to use that for <laughs> so i'll just delete that <laughs> uh and sandra uh, over and above travel anything else that you might have deleted i think it was probably peppa pig because oh. my daughter is going crazy for that and i just can't take it anymore, so i just delete it <laughs> I know the app. That's the worst bit, isn't it? Uh, Maybe those travel ones will come back. We hope so anyway. But look, thank you all so much for giving us half an hour. It is surprising that there's still so much so many misconceptions around in app you've tackled all of those questions wonderfully thank you so much and yeah there'll be more information on the site we'll put a link in the notes but for now thanks russell thanks rich and thank you sandra thank you thank you james thank you you're listening to our steering group special series thank you for tuning in to hear what the leading minds across mobile video and display have to say on some of the burning topics impacting digital today. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear all the steering group specials and for the regular IAB UK podcast.